In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. The Lord's favor provides for those who grieve to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Isaiah 61, verses 2 to 3. I wrote this in the condolence card for our friends who lost their 12-year-old daughter last week. They're a faithful family and will find comfort in the Lord's strength. A crown, oil, and a beautiful garment is the only way I can describe the funeral service. An hour of joy and laughter as they remembered their precious Olivia. An hour blessed by their Lord. An hour supported by the hundreds of people who showed up. Tears were shed on earth, but in heaven there was rejoicing. May her soul rest in peace, and may her family continue to uplift each other. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. I have an amusing show for you this afternoon. I'll be looking at outside the home activities the homeschool associations have added to their newsletters to keep their children busy in the excerpt from my book entitled Private School or Public Domain. I'll share some comments and attitudes my husband and I have experienced over the years when people find out he's in the music business. My guest this week is Debbie Harbson, author of a hilarious online book called OK Kids, Time for Bedlam. And as usual, I'm going to welcome you to my life as I unload the latest and greatest news from the McNinney front. So grab your tea and squattez-vous, as my mother used to say. Typical weather this week for Texas, a range of temperatures to keep us guessing. We went from heat in, we went without any heat in the house to get some wear out of our sweaters and coats. And though it was pretty chilly outside in the mornings, as soon as the sun broke through, sitting next to those closed windows, was a treat in solar energy. And Saturday dawned bright and early. It was cloudy and looked like rain, contrary to the forecast our faithful weatherman, Hubby's mum, had predicted for the day, which was sunshine with 80 degrees. It was too early for sunshine. We drove over to my blue-eyed brothers and borrowed our nephew's truck. The owner was still wisely tucked up in his warm bed. And we headed to our oldest son's soon-to-become-old apartment. And surprisingly, a couple of his friends had showed up to assist in the move of the month. So there was more brawn than brain and not a lot of sitting around discussing the best options for getting the washer and dryer down the flight of stairs. Larry and I got straight to work. and Within 30 minutes, we'd moved the sofa and loads of boxes over to the new apartment on the ground floor, just around the corner. I had struck up a conversation with his new neighbour, asking her how long she'd been in her place. Eight year, she said, and I asked her if she'd passed the secret of stability on to my son, who so far has moved three times in as many years. In less than three hours, we'd moved all the big stuff, as well as the boxes and bags, and his vacated apartment looked empty, while his new one was full to the gunnels. 
In enduring dependent fashion, he'd asked us if we could store furniture that wouldn't fit into his one-bedroom flat in our five-bedroom house. Nope, I said. When he asked what he should do with his extra tables and chairs and headboard, I suggested Craigslist, and then to leave everything left on the side of the road to be picked up. Miraculously, he sold his stuff to a neighbour and made a little profit. Phew! Crisis of storage averted. My strong cowboy and I managed to be home for the afternoon and actually rested since we'd allowed at least five hours for the move. Then it was time to start cooking for our Italian-themed dinner party. I made zavaglioni and biscotti, mushroom and truffle risotto and bruschetta. We ate all together too much and drank glasses of champagne and red wine and enjoyed continuous conversation. I was on overload from the move, so enjoyed just sitting back and listening. Luckily, the men can keep up a conversation with their puns and funny stories, so there were many moments of hilarity. Lots of Godfather jokes, since it was Italy. And I discovered that not everyone knew that The Godfather was a book by Mario Puzo before it was a film with Marlon Brando. We ladies are such good matches for our menfolk. This is what we ate. Antipasta, bruschetta and ravioli for starters in the den, with champagne and some of our home-brewed oatmeal stout. Then we adjourned to the living room and, well, actually dining room, and ate risotto and pasta primavera with its special ingredient, lemon zest, making this one of the best pasta salads I've ever eaten. We drank Pellegrino and red and white wines. The main course was chicken parmesan, meatballs, and a sausage dish, and stuffed zucchini. Then we waited for everything to settle before ploughing into the dessert of zavaglioni with biscotti and tiramisu. Are your mouths watering? We bought plenty home, so we're able to relive the meal a couple of times this week. Time for my book excerpt from the chapter I've entitled Private School or Public Domain. I'm horrified to discover all the secular activities proposed for teens in my Christian Homeschool Association newsletter. North Texas Teens for Parents states that according to a National Household Education Surveys program, the most important reason for homeschooling today is concern over the environment in schools, specifically issues that threaten children such as safety, drugs and negative peer pressure. If this is the case, then I have a question for this new influx of homeschooling parents. Why do you want to bring the public school into your homeschool? I'm not talking so much here about the safety and drugs issue, but do we really want negative peer pressure to attend homeschool with us? In my ninth year, as I look back over all the invaluable private school curricula from which I borrowed, I can assure myself that I never once gave up the integrity of the homeschool culture my husband and I were building. I didn't want to introduce the traditional school system into my homeschool, and neither did my husband, wise man. We did school all right. I was my children's sole teacher. They came to me for direction. I wanted to know what was going on in their minds, discuss it with them, share their music and films, their fears and hopes, their tears and laughter. I became jealous of anyone else wanting to be a part of my children's lives. And over the years, believe me, many adults and children wanted to be a part of my children's lives. In short, I all but died to myself. But let's not imagine that I became a recluse. Far from it. As soon as I decided to keep our children away from traditional school, I looked for an association that would help me navigate the many choices homeschoolers have. 
The criteria my husband and I had for the successful association was steep. We were looking for an organisation with the potential to augment the culture that was already being formed in our home. And for almost a decade, I enjoyed a friendly group that provided occasional field trips on those half-day Fridays, some friendships for my children, and an invaluable science co-op that saved my children from being science-challenged. Then as the dynamics of our family began to change with our eldest wooing colleges, I stopped scanning the association newsletter for the Friday Friday activities only and began to take a greater interest in the newsletter as a whole. Perhaps I persuaded myself there were some activities or clubs other than bumper bowling and Lego that my maturing family could benefit from. This is when I discovered the public school mentality had encroached on my association without my noticing. One afternoon on the eve of Ian's graduation from community college and consequent transfer as a junior to a four-year college at the ripe old age of 17, I perused the code of organisation for the local homeschool group I belonged to, the association. I happily noticed an introductory statement that read, those who believe in the Bible and follow Jesus Christ lead the association. It is also expected that such leaders will make decisions and plan activities that will be pleasing to God in accordance with his word, the Bible. I found myself thinking that I was proud to be a member of such a group. However, as I began flipping through the pages of this august publication with new eyes, it started to resemble an advertising sheet worthy of the secular market. The information soon had me considering it unworthy of a Christian homeschool support group. I noticed that the activities which should be pleasing to God had become self-serving and public school in feel. I was reminded that even with the best intentions, the world was finally catching up with us. Nothing wrong with that, except I wanted to keep my children in the world, but not of it, at least until they went away to college. My oldest son was preparing to do that, but as I was flipping the pages of this publication to benefit my remaining three offspring who were not on the eve of college. Included in this particular month was a full page of academic competitions that made me cringe. The co-op was in full swing and there were several pages boasting a whole curriculum of lessons that could be taken from numerous teachers or mothers who homeschooled their children outside their home. For the sports-minded, there was volleyball, volleyball, softball, football, soccer and baseball teams. There were clubs, chess, debate, engineering and robot, as well as Mensa. There were advertisements for schools that take the best aspect of public, private and home and moulds them into one model. Instruction in violin, piano, oboe and voice, along with computer-taught math and driver's ed, were offered for those who enrol. There were notices for yearbook deadlines and order dates, photographic sessions for seniors, graduation certificates and ceremonies, proms, cotillions and homecoming dances. Yes, I said proms, cotillions and homecoming dances. I was baffled. Not only could my older children take classes outside the home all day for five, even six days a week, they could also join sports teams and play in the evenings and at weekends. They could learn to drive and get senior photos taken for their yearbooks, all without me having to leave my house or use my voice. They may as well be going to school. Added to this conundrum, we had, they had the option to whirl around a dance floor with the most beautiful person in their grade to the envy of all their peers at least three times a year. My children hardly knew they had peers outside their own family, let alone beautiful and popular ones. Our basement activities keep them very busy. 
Now, don't get me wrong, in the right place and the right time, there is room for everything. But I think overscheduling and sending children out to be schooled is an oxymoron when homeschool is the word used to describe this process. I also don't think that popularity ballots and beauty contests have a place in the Christian homeschool. I'm particularly saddened by the association that supports these non-Christian activities while claiming in their code of organisation that they plan activities in accordance with his word, the Bible. Since when has it been biblical to compete for peer approval? It's always ended in, in disaster. Isn't it written somewhere that we're blessed if we're persecuted for God's sake? Matthew 5:10. The good news is not about scoring high on the popularity stakes at school or in life for that matter. I'm going on a quick break, so I'll be back in a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Season Me is on Toginet, a delightful, thoughtful, serious, and not-so-serious call-in show with Cecil Murphy and Twyla Belk. Tuesday nights at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. You know Cease is the veteran author from 90 Minutes in Heaven, Gifted Hands, When a Man You Loved Was Abused, and many other books, as well as a mentor for writers. And Twyla Belk is an effervescent force known as the Gotta Tell Somebody Gal. She's also a writer and motivational speaker who's always bragging on God. For more on Cecil Murphy, go to his website, Cecil Murphy, that's P-H-E-Y dot com. And for Twyla, GottaTellSomebody.com. The show, Season Me, is a far-reaching, faith-based, shared conversation and call-in show with questions welcome. A chance to get everything out in the open. From questions about writing, to surviving sexual abuse, to the topics of the day. All from a Christian worldview to help you. Season Me, Cecil Murphy, Twyla Belk. Tuesday evenings at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. The trick to getting published with your host, Florence Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Flo has seen it, done it, and now can share from her experiences as a newspaper staff reporter, feature writer, freelance editor, and college writing instructor. And now Flo has authored a system whereby her students enjoy a 90% success rate in attaining publication of their manuscripts for the first time. In just four years, she has over 800 of her own articles published in national magazines, newspapers, and anthologies. Author of several books, including the powerful memoir, The Sicilian Nobleman's Daughter, Florence has advised and edited professors, deans, PhDs, and hundreds of students' writings before submission. And now it's your turn. Join us Friday nights with your questions. Most of Flo's students say they've learned much and thoroughly enjoyed the journey. It's The Trick to Getting Published with your host, Flo Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. The good news is not about scoring high on the popularity stakes at school or in life, for that matter. The adversary has certainly brought chaos, confusion and decline into our one-room schoolhouse world with these harmless and fun activities. Even in my small household, feelings get hurt when favouritism accidentally rears its head. 
How much more when the numbers increase and the safety net of family is whisked away? I thought I'd left all that behind years ago when I departed from the halls of my children's public school and even the more distant cloistered walls of my competitive convent. I closed the association newsletter and threw it away and reminded myself that ours was a private homeschool, not to be confused with the public homeschools that were beginning to take the forefront. Well, I'm delighted to welcome my guest this week, Debbie Hartson, author of the hilarious book that can be downloaded free online, OK Kids, Time for Bedlam. Debbie homeschooled her two children and has been active in the Indiana homeschooling community. She helps keep their mailing list in order and is a county contact for Indiana's Home Educators Network. When homeschooling was over, Debbie worked at a private reading center until her feet began to hurt in the shoes she had to wear. So she changed jobs and is now a successful barefooted home worker and spends a lot of time driving her husband crazy. Good afternoon, Debbie, and welcome to my show. Hi, Vivian. Thanks for having me on. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for being flexible with me. Oh, no problem. All right. Well, first off... um, I know your book, I've mentioned your book a couple of times um, um, already, um, because I just love that title, OK Kids, Time for Bedlam. But before we go there, let me find out a little bit about um, when you made the decision to homeschool and why and how many children you homeschooled. Okay. Um, I had two children, a boy and a girl, and they were just starting. My daughter is the oldest. And she was just beginning second grade, and my son was just beginning first grade. And it was about October of that school year when um, I finally decided to take them out. Um, Without any real, (laughs) without a lot of planning, I just decided, oh, my gosh, this still isn't working. And so, you know, I did the things that I need to do to take them out, and then we started, you know, working our way working our way through what we were going to do um, at that point. So, and basically what happened is I just, I was fortunate to be home with them since they were born and, you know, we're just with them and realized, you know, as they got into school how much fun that was and how much fun it would be to continue doing that. And especially as I saw the things that were happening to both of them in school and it's just not really cutting down schools at all is it it was just individual attention is just impossible to get in a classroom situation and i was able to you know bring them back home and just basically just keep having fun doing what we were doing and we just sort of uh, moved on from there all right but it was basic, yeah it was basically the lack of individual attention that i saw yeah. Yeah, you said it still isn't working. So obviously you'd had your doubts ever since your daughter had entered kindergarten. Right. She yeah. was always she was always um, ahead of the class. And it was really ironic to think of it this way, but I always thought, well, when she gets a better, or if, it's, if she gets a better teacher, then this is going to be okay. When she started second grade, she had... Uh, person who I would consider was just the ultimate in a good teacher. She was, I watched her in the classroom and stuff, and, and she she was just doing the best that she could do, and she was really, really good, and I didn't like, I still didn't like what it was doing to my child, so 
ironically, it was what I was considering a really, really good teacher that made me make the decision to take her out because I guess I saw it was systemic more than anything else. Yeah. Well, when I first started homeschooling, my my mentor family had said, you know, I was so worried about, oh, well, am I going to be able to do this? Because my kids were at gifted and talented school, supposedly were having the best education that our state could offer. And they said, but there isn't anybody better than mom. And I'm going, okay, I guess I need to go into that with that mindset and, you know, imagine myself as the best teacher out there and and it worked because i had so much fun homeschooling my children it sounds like you did too yes we did i mean not to say that you know when you're in the daily grind of that you have your bad days and you think oh my gosh this this is never you know this is a mistake i'm gonna ruin my children you know and my husband was really good at keeping me grounded because since he wasn't always in on the day-to-day things it was much easier for him to back up and look at the big picture and he saw more of what was going on you know out outside of that little circle of what i was focused on and he was he was always up there um always optimistic and positive and you know kept kept me going on those times when i went down so big big thanks to him for that to just help keep us going because i think we all get stuck in that you just get Reading, reading your book, your um, online book, um, makes me wonder just when did you have down times? Because it didn't seem as though <laughs> you had, but that you did something um, specific. Uh, you know, obviously, if you had moments when you were not having such a good day or such a good week or whatever, um, that helped you through that. As, uh, despite your husband, or as, as if your husband wasn't there, there were other things that helped you through that. Can you tell us what that was? Um. I'm sorry, would you say that again? Well, there were times when you were not having, I mean, obviously you had times when you didn't always um, have a wonderful day or a wonderful week or whatever. And um, if your husband wasn't there, how did you get through those challenging moments of homeschooling? Well, I guess everybody always, or I hope everybody's able to. It's much easier now with the internet and stuff, but there's a few people that, you know, you can connect with that, you know, you can talk through some issues or some things that you think might be going on. But um, part, a lot of the stories in there actually had a basis, a real basis on some of the bad days because, and then, you know, we, writing the book later and thinking about those, you know, all of us can think about things that happened in the past that seem like, oh, my God, the most horrible thing ever and then you look back at it and you can laugh at it yeah the the very first story that i talk about our first day and we lead up to different things in the end of what happens at the end of that story with the ketchup bottle is absolute um that's the absolute truth (laughs) something like that did happen i slammed a ketchup bottle down because i was just so aggravated and it did go up and it hit the ceiling and the stains you know, stayed there even after we cleaned it up. So I was able to use that later to make something fun out of it. There was plenty of books out there about people who, you know, get really serious and try to advise and help people with uh, homeschooling. And I just thought it was time to take, you know, some of those issues and let's just have a little fun with it. And 
hopefully that's helping, and I have received comments from people, you know, that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's its little piece of helping someone, too. When they're having a bad day, they can read a chapter in that and say, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not the only one. That this- and relate to that, yeah. Well, yeah. My, um, I have a story that my children remind me of constantly. Um, remember the day, Mom, when you picked up the kitchen table and slammed it back down again? <laughs> Everything kind of fell off the table, you know, the milk and everything. But they say this in front of my friends, in front of their friend. They love telling this story, and I get and we we laugh about it. But it was it was probably a serious moment. But now we laugh about it, and we just kind of go, yeah, well, that was one of those days. And they'll always remember that, and they'll always remember why I did it, even if I can't remember why I did it. So the lesson was learned, you know. <laughs> I think it was something to do with they were up and down, up and down, up and down. I was sick to death of them leaving the table all the time. So I slammed the table down and said, sit down. And uh, they, they learned that lesson pretty quickly. But now they tell it as a funny story. So, uh, so yeah. your children do that too. I, I read the story about your the eye. It's called Quit Eyeballing Me. And oh, okay. I can imagine that little scuffle in the back of the car. Tell us about the. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, and and again, all of the there are some you can read it these stories, and most of the time you can see the exaggerations. But everything in there is based on something real that happened, and we did um, go out to a oh, I forget now. I found a butcher or some place that. Um, <laughs> They had, uh, you know, you could get cows' eyeballs, and we wanted to, we were learning about the eye and stuff. And then in the book that I had, it said, you know, you can go get cows' eyeballs and dissect them and pull out the lens and look at the lens. And I thought, that's very cool. That would be fun. So so we did that. We went down, and <laughs> they never, I thought they would. They just, I thought they would look at us funny or what, but they didn't even ask why we wanted these eyeballs. Maybe, you know, maybe that's something people do a lot. But anyway, we we did get the eyeballs and bring them home. And we did live in a, at the time, we lived in a condo. And the doors between our place and our neighbor's place were, uh, you know, they led outside to a porch. I mean, we were literally feet apart so and shared the same porch. And there were a couple of times when, you know, we would we would meet the, it was just another couple with older, they had older children out of the home. <laughs> and uh, she came, I think she, that time or the time with the, throwing the flower on my son's blue jeans, <laughs> she came, she came out and, uh, but, you know, kind of asked a few questions on her way to her car, you know, and what are you all doing or what's in the bag, you know, and my son, I think, said, oh, we've got cow's eyeballs in here. And she, <laughs> she never really knew what to say back to us, I don't think. <laughs> very, very nice, nice people and stuff, but I just wonder what they really, what they really thought of their, what they really their neighbors. Yeah. Well, we are um, resourceful as homeschoolers. We can find things that we need to do for our class, for our schools. And um, if you're just joining me, I'm talking to Debbie Harbson, a homeschooling mother of two and author of the free book, OK Kids, Time for Bedlam, as well as managing to drive her husband crazy with her self-awarded promotion to chief CEO of all the homework businesses she runs. She has a blog about homeschooling with its freedom and fun, and she'd like to invite you to just participate in her latest and greatest project so you have to come back after this break for a cuppa 
Do it. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, the Parents' Plate is here to help you. The Parents' Plate with Brenda Nixon, Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment, and that's what the Parents' Plate does. The Parents' Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues, from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Come be a part of Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio. Her goal is to inspire you to be creative every day. Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on Toginet.com. Pat lives and breathes being creative through her quilt design business, but her creativity and interests have no bounds. On her show, she'll be introducing us to guests through interviews and talks that have a creative life. We'll learn more about what goes on in the world of quilting. And since Pat, like many of us, is creative in many ways, she'll also introduce us to creative people in other crafts like knitting, crochet, paper arts, and lots more. Pat is also an author, a lecturer, designer, and cheerleader of many. She's tried her hand at making almost everything you can think of and does many crafts to keep her inspired to create. Check out her website, patsloan.com. What makes Pat most happy is to inspire others to be creative every day. So join us for Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I'm back with Debbie Harbison, um, author of OK Kids, Time for Bedlam. And um, I just want to talk about one other chapter in your book, and then we'll go on to something else. It's, um, I don't know how recently you've read your book, but I've just read it, you see, so I probably know more about what's in your chapters than you do. So um, I'll help you here. (laughs) Okay, chapter 22, it's called Seeing All the Options, and it's about you looking around your house and, you know, you've just collected between the four of you a lot of stuff. Can you remember it? Yeah, yeah. And you're trying you're trying to clean out, <laughs> and the kids are going, "What? I don't see anything." You know, <laughs> <laughs> that was a uh, a constant. I'm, I'm one of those people who, um, I don't not, I don't like a lot of stuff around. <laughs> and so, yeah. if you're a a mom homeschooling her kids, you're going to have a lot of stuff around, <laughs> and so we just. You know, we're constant, constantly uh, balancing that, and and as my husband as well, they have a lot of jokes about that. My husband always tells people, "Don't let." If I I learn not to let something lay around 
very long or you know if she has to pick it up more than three times um i don't know it it might just be gone forever so um i guess that's what that yeah that chapter was about or we were kind of trying to work our way through that and and again when we were really deep into this homeschooling we were living in a um two-bedroom like townhouse condo at the time mm-hmm. um we did eventually move to a to a bigger home but you know, my son was into rock collecting, and so he had rocks all over. And my daughter had—I don't know what all she had—but she was she was always reading books, and so just to keep everything in a in a way that we could we could all just move about and do things was sometimes a challenge. And on top of that, the work that my husband was doing—he was on his own as well, so he would get. Um, deliveries of computer equipment and work on computer equipment and I have a story in there as well about finding computer screws everywhere so Uh, (laughs) yeah well I you see trying to convince my children I have I have two children now still living at home my daughter's upstairs and she's fine her room isn't too too bad and it drives her crazy when her room gets too bad but my son, I have to keep shutting his door because his stuff is kind of coming out into my hallway. And I say to him, come with me and look at your room and then come with me and look at my room. Do you see a difference? And he's going, honestly, no. And you just can't see the color of his carpet, you know? I mean, it's, it's just night and day. And well, I here's... Go. <laughs> go. Yeah, go. Sorry. No, you go ahead. It's your interview. Here's, here's the funny part about that, too, is that we did, you know, we did finally realize, and I think a lot of parents realize this, that really their child, you know, if your child, children are going to have a, a bedroom that in a lot of ways that should be their space to deal with however they want to deal with it. So we did the same thing. Uh, Keith's room was was his, and we just let him, you know, do with it what he will. As a matter of fact, we even told him at some point, you know, whatever, when, but whenever you move out, then you're going to help us paint and put new, new carpet in, but this mm-hmm. is, this is your space. And, uh, and he really went with that. And at one point, I remember my husband saying, you know, this was when he was pretty, really little, I guess, because, you know, we were like doing the tuck in thing, but he said, um, unless I have a path to your bed, I'm not going to come in at night to give you a hug because I can't even get around your stuff, you know. <laughs> and what's funny about it now is he's married now, and, well, even before he got married, and he bought a house, and he will laugh about it and tell you this, that he, you know, <laughs> he doesn't like to have stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. Now, in his house, he keeps it much, you know, it's not like his bedroom was. So I don't know if it, it was like, you know, he, you know, he, he did have that little place where he could just do what he needed to do, and maybe it was just kind of, you know, being a little rebel. Well, yeah, yeah, and the ability to do that. And then when he when he got his own house, you know, he everything about that he he got it, or he you know he do it to his comfort level. I mean, even if his house was different than that, it, it doesn't matter because it's his. But yeah. it's kind of funny the way that that he. Uh, he will talk about that now yeah. about his house and how he likes it straightened up. <laughs> yeah, well, I you know I kind of buy into that um, that their space is their space, but sometimes their space just gets to me, and I start to think, well, 
it's really the whole house is mine so really in essence that is my room too <laughs> so they need to respect me and keep it cleaned up i have those moments but i don't have them that often you know and, <laughs> well the um, door is good closing the doors and it, is and good and it's and it's really good to hear that they probably will grow out of it because two of my children actually are out in their own apartments and um their places are pretty nice even if you spring on them you know and don't even warn them an hour before or a day before <laughs> that you're arriving um they're, they're pretty they're pretty tidy and, and clean so that's nice to hear that your children turn out okay in the end and stop fretting just enjoy them you know i look yeah. at people with their little kids and i go enjoy this moment and it's very difficult because you know if somebody had said that to me when my child was throwing a tantrum or something like that i'd go well you can have him then while he's doing that because <laughs> i can't enjoy a moment like this but uh, it goes by way too fast yeah, and you know, and again, when you're in the middle of it, you're exactly right with what you just said. When you hear that from someone or, you know, you're out and about and some, you know, older mother or something says, oh, you're the little kids and they grow up so fast and you're like, oh, really? You know, today was a real killer, you know, and then yeah. then you turn around and, and you're in that same spot and you look at yeah. these other families and you think, oh, I miss some of that, you know. And yeah, yeah. It's just oh, that's, that's why eventually we become grandparents so we can have all the nice parts of the children and just hand them back when they start to get a little bit, you know, over the top. So, uh that's what I'm looking forward to. Have you? Are you a grandma yet? Uh, no, but both of my children. This let's see. This past July is when my son got married, and the July before that, my daughter got married. So we we shall see. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Do they live close? Um, our daughter does. She lives in the in the same area, and um, our son is currently in uh, Arkansas, probably headed off to someplace else soon. I don't know where he's gonna gonna end up oh so does he have a traveling job um he's been he went to college on an air force rotc scholarship okay okay so he's been in the air force and he will complete that four years um in august Mm -hmm. and so he's um he's as a contracting officer Mm -hmm. at the air through the air force so he's looking for a job and um seeing where where that might where that might lead him yeah. whether he'll end up back here at some point um i don't know i'm just telling myself he won't so that i don't get disappointed <laughs> yeah yeah well it depends how much he needs grandma you know i grew i was here in america so i didn't have any grandparents to help me out with my kids my husband's family were sort of two hours down the road which we might as well have been three thousand miles away because we didn't see them very often either and uh, i really kind of envied those people that had grandparents just kind of within 30 minutes of them or whatever so uh, anyway it depends on how much he wants you as mom as grandma (laughs) well that speaking of the grandparents too that was really uh, a very cool part of our homeschooling too and i think it helped both my husband and i's parents um i mean when we started homeschooling this was like now 20 years ago so as much as difficult as I um, imagine it to be now, there you can talk to anybody now, and they've heard of homeschooling. They know somebody who's homeschooling. It's pretty mm-hmm. everybody knows that it wasn't like that at first. So naturally, our our parents were both kind of you know wondering what we were stepping into, and as time went on and um, started realizing that 
there were a lot of things that we did and included them in on, or they included my kids in mm-hmm. on, that they couldn't with some others who were, you know, stuck in school all day, um, became pretty a pretty neat thing that they could spend yeah. uh, more time with them and do their own, play their own part into, yeah. you know, teaching them a lot of interesting things. Well, good. That sounds that sounds great. Yeah. Um, tell me now um, about your new blog. Is it how new is it? A year? Have you been doing the homeschooling freedom and fun for your family? Um, how long have I been doing that? Uh, it's um, it's maybe been two or three years, but I thought it would be a good. Um, um, a good piece to associate with my book because there again you've got different things out there where people are talking uh, about their homeschooling experiences and a lot of times and not that I don't mean to say that anything's wrong with this because I devoured them up too but a lot of serious advice out there but I thought it would be fun to get um, as many other homeschooling families as I could to just, and I wanted to make it simple and easy. So I thought of, I thought of the main things that I loved about homeschooling, and I thought, well, it was the freedom that we had, and it was the fun that we had, and I developed four questions for any homeschooler to to answer, and then it's all, it's a. It's very individual families all answering the same four questions, and it's turned out to be I've got 90-something 90, 90 uh, interviews up now. I would love to get a lot more, whoever's any homeschoolers listening to this. You can go to homeschoolingisfreedom.blogspot.com and check it out. And as you see the families fill out these four questions, you can see the individual differences in each family and you can also see lots and lots and lots of common threads mm-hmm. that we all have running through them as as they answer the questions so it's really been a lot of fun the most difficult part about it is to get a homeschooler who's having fun to stop long enough to answer four questions about it. <laughs> well, Debbie, we've come to the end of our time. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Debbie Harbison. Sure is the uh, hilarious author of OK Kids Time for Bedlam. You can just type that in. It'll bring you straight to her her book and then her links to her sites. And Debbie and I have been talking about the lighter side of homeschooling. And she wants you to go onto her newest webpage or blog called Homeschooling. I don't think I've got this right, actually. I'll put freedom and fun for your family. I'm sure if you just type that in, too, you will get it. Um, to answer four questions, which she'll post for everyone to see and have a giggle at. So have a great weekend, Debbie, and thank you so much for coming and talking to me this afternoon. And I'll be right back after this. Bye, Debbie. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3.
3 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, TrishaGoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, last week it was my pleasure to interview the blue-eyed cowboy who lives in my house and is the proud father of our four children. His career spanned 30 years and was a roller coaster of financial affluence and poverty. Once he settled down into married and family life, he realized that balancing two careers was going to be impossible. Echoes of last Sunday's gospel from Matthew. You can't serve two masters. I laid down the law. It was either me or the road. He wisely chose me. And although we suffered for it, our primary master, God, followed through on his promise that if we seek first his kingdom, then everything will be given to us. At least everything we need. As homeschoolers, we've always been scrutinized, but never more so than at our church. Strange as this may seem, I found countless times that the people who make up a congregation are not much different from those who make up a secular workplace or a secular committee. Well, there is one difference. Those in the secular group don't profess to have God, and they're usually equipped with new thought processes that are tolerant, to the point of being downright liberal. Those in the church group profess to have God and be saved, but with this comes an aura of superiority and, dare I say it, judgment, also with a fair amount of liberality sprinkled in. There's no more intolerant group than those who proclaim to know the Lord and pick everyone else's behaviour except theirs to pieces. My children soon learn not to mention the fact that their father was in the music business. Rock and roll was the work of the devil and they didn't want to open a can of bigoted worms. At a parish event, a member of the congregation we were talking to observed this about Larry's career. So this was before you were a Christian. It wasn't a question, more of a statement. 
we were a little taken aback by this presumptuous remark as we'd both been professing and living our faith all our lives. They couldn't believe that while my lovely blue-eyed cowboy was on the road with the likes of the bat-biting Aussie, he was a Christian. Why not? Did we really have to give up our faith to go to work? Any work? Aren't we as important examples of our pledge to follow the risen Lord while we work with heretical and atheistic rock stars as those heading off into the mission field to work with headhunters in the jungles of Ecuador? What is it about Christians? I hate to have to admit that this is not the only time we've been questioned. My son went to college and studied science because he wanted to work with animals. Hello. He was actively discouraged and cautioned against going into this heretical and hostile environment by religious leaders, church folk, and the few homeschoolers we mixed with. I ask you, really, if we're encouraged to hide our light under a bush, then no one's ever going to see it. Simon has had many an engaging conversation with non-creationist science professors who are interested in his beliefs and the material he uses to back up his philosophy. Reasonable Faith, The Scientific Case of Christianity by Dr. J. Weil is one popular book Simon gives away to many he comes in contact with who he thinks may be enlightened by the work. Back at the beginning of the millennium, we worked with a new age couple who were artists and they questioned our integrity on something. Having once been bitten, they were didn't want to take any chances. They were friends of mine, so go figure. When we claimed to be Christians, they said, we've no more honest Hindus than Christians, so we don't buy into that. And they were probably right. Unfortunately, my husband and I will never boast our Christianity again, now preferring to prove our worth by our actions, not by name only. The job, by the way, didn't last long. With my radio program, I make no secret of my faith, but I don't want it to be all tell and no show. I want my listeners to be tantalized into finding out more about me, to learn how I managed to get through my homeschooling days without having a heart attack. I'm the first to admit the fundamental Christian homeschoolers scare me a little. I assure you I'm not one of those. I have listeners who are not of my faith and I don't want to scare them off. The message I'm conveying here is one of love and concern for my children, for my husband and for my friends. If the fact I'm a Christian appeals, then good. If not, then that's okay too. Welcome to my show. Welcome to my life. Enjoy. The people, including Ozzy, who my handsome cowboy worked with, may not be Christian, or at least if they are, they may not act like one. But their lives were touched by him once, and as a result, they may be better people for it. I never watch television. Well, I shouldn't really say never, because every now and again I will. And when my filmmaker son told me he was coming over on Sunday evening to watch the Oscars with us and have dinner, I knew I'd be glued to the set like everyone else. Darn it. I don't like being like everyone else. As it turned out, he came down with a sinus infection, so opted to stay at home. But my oldest daughter joined us and my zookeeper son and a friend of his. We ate hamburgers and watched the show and I was suitably entertained. But I did notice the commercial breaks were becoming more frequent and longer as the evening progressed. Or was it my imagination? The dresses were beautiful, much better than some of the outfits trotted out during the music awards. I noticed that really only six or seven of the hundreds of films that came out last year made it to the nominations. I'd seen some of them and, of course, was thrilled at the success of the King's Speech and rather glad Black Swan didn't do much except produce the um, uh, best actress. And the best part of the evening? My salted caramel ice cream shared with my blue-eyed cowboy. Have I 
told you that Malia, my barista, has been accepted at two dance schools in London? We went to San Francisco to audition, if you remember. Well, she auditioned. I sat and read. Um, she auditioned for the London Contemporary Dance Company School. And we heard this week that she'd been accepted into their BA program. Um, the Contemporary Dance School is comparable to the Royal Ballet School, only it's modern. And um, after the audition in San Francisco, she sent a DVD to a theatre school in Essex, just outside London proper, where the focus is on all aspects of stage, dance, singing and acting. She was also accepted there on the strength of the DVD alone. So we're off to England after spring break to visit both schools and make decisions. Yikes. Talk about living your dream. Malia is alternately excited and fearful about all the upcoming changes. Think positive thoughts is all I can tell her. This is something she's wanted to do ever since she first put on a pair of my point shoes and flew around the house gracefully as if point shoes were a natural extension of her foot. She was two. And then when she first visited England at the age of six, she pledged to move there. And now she's actually taking the first steps in that direction. She's suitably awed and amazed that such a great dream is being realised. Bravo, Malia. And staying on topic, I guess it's Malia week. This same young lady is physically wiped out this week. Her young and busy life's finally catching up with her. She had two very busy days earlier in the week, starting at 5am and ending at 10.30pm. All she had time to do was dash home for an hour, wolf down something to eat or take it with her, or sprawl in my study for two minutes or so, telling me how tired she was. Her eyes told it all. She had dark rings. Dark rings. I'm telling you, she's never seen that phenomenon before. I could see her wondering what happened to the days when she could take all those lovely long afternoon naps. And where's all the study time going? Watching her, I'm amazed that some students can work, be in a show and carry a full academic load. Oh, all right. Maybe they don't work. Once her show is over and spring break and England are behind us, maybe she can settle back into her more sedate lifestyle. Or maybe not. And she's just told me something else that's a sure sign her mind is on overload. Instead of turning in her theatre critique paper on Turnitin last week, she turned in the guidelines for the critique instead. And she and her professor had to finagle the system for her critique to register. I'd say she's a walking zombie. Last year, I was invited to serve as a theatre expert for Thriving Minds, an innovative public-private partnership committed to preparing Dallas children to be successful in school and life by building a fair and just, sustainable arts learning system that provides high-quality creative experiences. I must have done a suitable job because guess what? I've been invited again, this time as a dance expert, and I recommended my hubby for music and a couple of other friends who are going to be joining me next week in this trailblazing adventure. The partnership includes Big Thought, which is an organisation that encourages children and families of Dallas to imagine a better future for themselves and their community through the medium of creative learning. They, along with me, support the idea that children who have the opportunity to become imaginative, adaptive and productive will grow into adults who will make their communities better places to live and work in. Sounds just like the McNenny House. We encouraged and promoted theatre, dance and film and look where we are now in theatre, dance and film and zookeeping. Oh, it fits somewhere, it must. My short little paying job will last all of two and a half days and this time I get to take a hubby along to play. Fun, fun, fun. 
Earlier on, I mentioned the funeral that we attended on Sunday, not my favourite event to attend, but the family managed to make it a positive affair. Joseph, Olivia's dad, told us that for this one hour, we weren't allowed to cry. For the most part, we obeyed, but sometimes the words and feelings expressed by the family in their eulogies was too sad not to shed a tear. Both Olivia's father and brother sang songs to her. How did they do that without breaking down? There were prayers and a slideshow, all done in typical theatrical style to entertain and make us laugh out loud sometimes. Olivia was only two when she was first diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. She suffered her first relapse six weeks into kindergarten and only managed to spend three years at school, third, fourth and fifth grade before relapsing again and finally losing the battle six weeks before becoming a teenager. We first met her when her father was choreographing Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat at the Garland Summer Musicals. She was six and her family, like ours, is bound together by theatre. There were three of his children in the production, including Olivia, and three of my children. If you want to find out more about this incredible family, I'll put their blog link on my website at thesocialhomeschooler.com. It's well worth a read. Well, I've managed to rattle on for another whole hour and it's time for me to bid you farewell for this week. I'm off to a silent retreat this weekend to prepare for Lent, which begins next Wednesday with the distribution of ashes at all our services and continues for six weeks until Holy Week and then Easter, which is late this year, the end of April. Um, I'll also be sitting in the audience of my daughter's show several times, I'm sure. So for this week, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Net Radio, my guest, Debbie Harbison, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Tina, and St. John's. The sun's peeking its way out, so I should have a good journey to Lake Dallas this afternoon. Try to listen to Sandy Fowler's Heartfelt Holidays on Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard, and if not, catch her podcast. Have a great weekend, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Number six, verses 24 through 26. Do, 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 and have a safe weekend. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.